<clears throat> episodes are we? Are we did, did you see oh yeah we're recording. Oh, oh, oh perfect i'm just letting our this is excellent podcast <laughs> Well, I mean, that's how you do things, right? You just kind of start and you just don't tell the other person that you've already started to record. That's the way that it works. <laughs> so we're back for episode, I don't even know, what episode are we on? That's what I was asking. I, have I, clue. I really don't know either. Not that it matters any, because, you know, every episode is just a, a, a character unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, we, it's, we, are you saying it's episodic? Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I, this is a big word. I don't. You know, I have a small dictionary. You know, and, and so mental dictionary at least. So I have to go look words up. Yeah. 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 So and in and unto itself, yes, it's a, it's a whole ball game. So what are we talking about today? Well, we've got a question today. A question. A Just question. One? Well, no, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, like, how did that end up in the laundry? We don't. <laughs> I ask that question almost every day. I just, just like I don't even know what that is, and it's in there. Like I hear you. you know, or the, or multiplies. The, and you, same thing about stuff like in the back of the fridge. Like what is that? Like, yeah. These are questions that I handle. It's green and it's, it smells kind of funky and. <laughs> but you don't ask. This is a question that you ask. I don't actually, want to know. you don't want the answer to. I don't. Want but to. we have a question that we want the answer to. We do want the answer. Yes. You're going to have to enlighten me today. Okay. So the kind of the question is. Uh, in order for one thing to exist, does its opposite also have to exist? So, uh, a, a great example. In order for there to be good, does there have to be evil? Ooh, this is this is gonna be interesting. This is a tough question. It is a tough. All question. right. So, uh, and of course, you know, we in order for there to be, um, oh, I mean, we could use this in so many different ways. But in order for there to be joy, does there have to be pain? Right. Right. In order for there to be happiness, does there have to be sorrow? In order for there to, um, you know, it, oh, in order for there to be virtue, does there have to be vice? Gotcha. Okay. In order for there to be truth, does there have to be lies? Uh-huh. Indeed. This is indeed. Well, thanks. I mean, I came up with all of these questions myself just now. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, my genius. Small vocabulary, but, but deep thoughts. Deep thought. Okay. Deep thoughts. Yes. You know. Can okay. I eat that still? I don't know. It's been in the fridge for 20 days, maybe more. Can I eat that? That's about as deep as I get sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. You have to keep things. You have to keep. Yeah, keep, keep things real. Things, yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep, it real. keep it real. So what, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Does the opposite of something have to exist? Uh, in order for tooth for a thing in and of itself to exist. So, you know, I, I, I will approach this from a, a theological perspective um, to begin with. Okay. So, um, we we generally believe that God is omnibenevolent. Now, we, we talk about omnis a lot. Uh, there's the three main omnis, which we uh, we can you know talk about at a later time. That would be omnipresent. Omni, uh, omnipotent, right? And no, no, omniscient, omniscient, no, wait, omnipotent, um, and yes. and omnipresent. Yes, that's it. Is that right? Yes, those Maybe are the so. three: all knowing, all powerful, and everywhere. Yes. Well, there's a fourth one that we talk about sometimes called omnibenevolent. That is that that um, everything that is good um, proceeds from God, or or you know, at the very least, we have this idea that God is all good, right? And so. We also believe that God is eternal, that he is not only that he will continue to exist, but that he has existed from eternity past, that there was never a time that 
that he didn't exist. He didn't exist, exactly. Uh, There is certainly a time where evil didn't exist because we have that recorded in the scriptures. Right. And so from a, you know, from a Judeo-Christian theological perspective, I think you can have good without having evil because God has existed prior to evil and he is all good. So... That leads me to another question. All right. Uh, There's more than one. Oh, now this is good. Because I I didn't even like, okay. Here's my question. So if that's the case, where did evil come from? If God's all good and he creates all things good, unless he directly decided to go ahead and create evil, which would contradict maybe that he's all good if he's going to go ahead and create evil, where did evil come from? Now, this is something that's a little bit harder to wrap our heads around because... Mine's already blown, by the way. I just... <laughs> you blew your own mind. I blew my own mind on this one. <laughs> because, well, the first thing, we, we would point towards the fall, fall of man. But, you know, you would quickly make the observation that evil preceded the fall of man. Right. Because the serpent was evil. Right. You know, the, the you know, Satan had already fallen. By the time before, prior to the fall of man, and so, you know, your your question is is valid. I don't I don't know that I have a great answer for that. So, I will try to do my best without totally destroying, um, Saint Thomas Aquinas. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is a guy who's light years ahead of me. In this regard. Okay, light yes, years. Yes. Okay. Well, he is, according to the Catholic Church, he's the Dr. Angelicus, right? Yeah. He's, he's the he's the premier theologian he, of the church. He is. He is. And, and uh, you know, there's like Jesus and then Thomas Quintus. No, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, an order of things, you know. No. <laughs> but uh, he is considered to be pretty much the premier theologian in, in you know, so my understanding of his works, very small, right? But I I, I got a kind of an idea of some of the things. And so in his Summa Theologica, mm-hmm. right, um, Aquinas posits something very interesting. So the question really comes down to is how did Lucifer, the angel of light, how did he sin, right? How is it possible that if that's the introduction of evil – we assume the introduction of evil is, is sin, right? How is that possible? So this is kind of the idea. So God creates, if, if God is uh, omnibenevolent, he creates all things that are good. So everything that he created was good and is good. So uh, we would say that there, there you might argue that, uh, as Aquinas kind of does, that there's a hierarchy of goods, that God is at the pinnacle of all things that are good. And that there's a hierarchy of created goods, okay? All things fall underneath them. You could even just do two levels if you wanted to for the sake of this argument. Although you could probably say there's many more levels to it. But let's say two levels. He's, God is the premier good, and everything that he creates is also good. They're inferior goods to him, but they're all goods, mm. even though they're inferior goods, Okay. Because they emanate from him. So right. by just by the nature that they are beneath him, that he put them into, into motion uh, after him, says that they're inferior goods. But they're still goods. Okay. So the the theory, the working theory on this would be that he creates the angels. 
and creates man as well, but he creates the angels. And when um, all of the angels are given free will, okay, that they're and the other person that talks about this, by the way, is Augustine, right? Saint Augustine, he actually entertains it even a little bit more before uh, Aquinas does. He entertains this idea as well, you know, how did the angels sin? What what and was it a defect of the will or, or something like that? Well, that's a really good question. But what what uh, uh, Aquinas posits that um, if if all that God creates is this ordered goodness, that what ends up happening is that Lucifer has free will and he makes a choice, and he chooses himself over God. He looks at his goodness and he places his goodness to be on the same level of God. Okay, and that the sin is introduced with the choice of misordering. So he took an inferior good, i.e. himself, and he equated it with the superior good. So the sin is not the is is the misordering of the good. It's that choice to choose the inferior good or the self good over the ultimate good. And that would be the first sin. So. That's kind of how, if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of how Aquinas addresses the issue. So how how is it that the devil could sin? Well, maybe you you might say that he looks at himself in the mirror, sees how how good he is. I mean, this is kind of my inter- way of explaining it, right? Sure. Sees how good he is and equates himself to God. And then with his free will, he chooses himself over God. Mm. And that choice is what create is so evil is an act. It's an act of the will against um, the ultimate good. So that's what we say sin is anyway, right? right? Sin is an act against the will of God. Like you choose yours over over God. And so uh, that's how kind of um, Aquinas explains how it was possible. Now, what allowed that will, what allowed Lucifer to make that decision Um was it a defect of the will that caused him to fail to recognize God as the superior good? That's a whole nother question. <laughs> like every time we, we get at this, it's like there's a deeper, there's a deeper question there's a deeper to question it. to try and, to figure it out. And and I don't there's no real answer. Even Aquinas doesn't really answer that question. Uh, uh, Augustine tries, and Augustine ultimately just says, well, "There's some things that we just can't know. The, we just can't know." And, can't and, and but I guess. For it to truly be free will, you you'd have to be able to choose yourself over God, whether you're an angel or whether you're a person. Otherwise, it's not truly free will if you can't make that decision. So this this could lead into another question: um, Do you know does free will exist, or is the will bound? I mean. Whew. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Man, I, that's a deep question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Not so subtle deflection. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got I gotta one one last thing. We gotta we'll get to your question. Okay. I gotta add this, but um well first of all, as far as the angels decision, what makes hell eternal is that, you know, the way that um, Aquinas looks at it is the angels are eternal beings. And as eternal beings, the, the decision of an angel is an eternal decision. And so when they make the decision against God, they have eternally made that decision against God. And so that's, they're cast out eternally. 
because the will in in that spiritual life is eternal. Here, our will our wills are ultimately eternal in the sense our souls are eternal, but we have basically our entire lives to conform that will to God or not. But once at the end of our lives, once that our, our lives are over with, that conformity is final. Mm. Well, so that would you know, there, there's a passage in oh I'm going to get it wrong, um, Luke. Yes, one of the parables of uh, in the middle of Luke. Um, it's right after the lost sheep and the lost coin and the parable of the prodigal son. It's the next six chapter sixteen. Yeah, uh, it talks about uh, the rich man um, who you know he constantly sinned every day by ignoring the um, the beggar. You know, who's at his doorstep, and then the you know in the parable the the beggar goes to heaven, uh, the rich man goes to hell. And, and they, they actually, you know, um, in, in Jesus' own words, I mean, it was it was that action of going to that eternal place that that that's you know sealed their fate. At that point, yeah, you can't you can't come back from because you know, the rich man's like, oh, I, I will at this point, you know, now I want to to repent and yeah. you, know, you know, explain it was too late, and and then I think he even says, well, can you you know go warn my my father and my brother so that they don't make this mistake or maybe just his brothers. Yep. I remember exactly what you're talking about. And he's like, well, they're not going to listen either. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't listen either, you know? So they have, they have the, the, they have the the scripture and they have all this, this to tell them and point them in this direction. They're they're still not going to listen. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's that's a little side, side note. And, And then one more, one more fun little antidote. To all of this, right? So about choosing the inferior good over the superior good. It's it's not really, but not quite the same. But it's kind of funny. So have you ever read Paradise Lost? I know about. Uh, I've never read it, but I've, I've. So Milton in his in his work Paradise Lost. One of the funny things is is when he's going through the account of creation. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a funny little antidote in the book, and um, so God puts Adam to sleep and creates Eve. While Adam is still asleep, Eve, like, she goes to a pond and she kind of looks at herself in her reflection and she sees how pretty that she is, right, and everything. Then God takes her over and he uh, shows Eve Adam and she sees him sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. And the kind of the funny little joke is that she goes back to the pond to look at herself in the mirror afterwards. Like... (laughs) I'm much prettier than that over there. You made me for that? What? I like myself over here in the mirror. So that's kind of one of those funny little anecdotes I think that's in, you know, literature instead. But um anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting with that that choice, you know, the the idea of the choice being eternal, which is why we get eternal condemnation, right? Because once you've you've once you've made the decision, it, the decision is final. If it is indeed a decision. Yes. Yes, if, if indeed it is a decision. So how do we know that we have free will? That's Ooh, very interesting. That's what a, a what a you know, so th- this is uh, not controversial at all. <laughs> um, you know, uh, man, this, this is. Can so- we just resort real quick? I just got. Can we resort to the Thomas Jefferson methodology of things? That, and, and what would that be? Well, Jefferson just says there's some things that are self-evident, right? That's. <laughs> It's, you don't argue about it. It's just self-evident, right? We, we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? And so, you know, because I had I, the self-evident argument, I think, should be effective in, in and of itself for certain arguments. For certain arguments. I mean, we're going back to the free will thing for real here a little bit. But, you know, I had a, I had years ago, I had a conversation with a person uh, who legitimately and truly argued that nothing really ever exists. 
that all of life that we think is life is just us coming to terms with our lack of existence. Now, that argument is so far out there. I mean, this guy was, I mean, if, if he really believed it, he sold me that he really believed it. Okay. So, uh, but I just, you know, we were having a beer at the time and just kind of sitting around drinking and eating. It was me and a bunch of guys. I just wanted to take my beer bottle and just go, bam, right across the side of the face and go, that didn't happen according to you. Right. And, and just, you know, walk away from it because God, I think some things really are just that self-evident that, yeah. you know. Anyway, sorry, that was – that's why I want to take this Jeffersonian approach to things. I, I got you. So, so we'll never do this podcast while we're drinking. That's, that's what I've, I've <laughs> gleaned from this. <laughs> I don't know. My, my coffee cup's kind of – it's metal. I mean, Yeah, it, no, it, it, could, it, could, it could do a number. It could do a number. Versus my little styrofoam cup over yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. It's I just – Probably not a good idea that we get into that argument. <laughs> so, so um, no, free will. Yeah. This is exciting. So this is something that has divided um, Protestants in uh, for, for centuries uh, now. So um, the, the idea of, of whether the will is bound or whether we have free will to choose, um, particularly uh, regarding our, our own salvation. Calvinism, huh? Yes. Yeah, the you have the select the that are the elect, yes. the elect that are uh, they're they're in period, and too bad for everybody else. So, <laughs> so you know where and where to even start? Um, yeah, a, free will is a tough one. So again, actually, uh, well, Aquinas handles. Uh, free will. Uh, the person to really refer to, uh, at least from the Catholic side of things, is, is uh, Augustine, Saint Augustine, because he talks a lot about he talks a lot about free will, and he, he talks specific, especially in his work, uh, the City of God. And of course, he relates a lot of it. Um, you know, in the City of God, he does talk about the angels and the free will of the angels and how they were able to sin. And um, but. Augustine seems to indicate that, you know, um, again, now keep in mind, he's he's interpreting this uh, not just in light of Holy Scripture, but he's he's interpreting this in, in the light of, of, you know, he takes Augustine takes a little bit of an Aristotelian approach to things, Okay, you know, so he likes to take a lot of the stuff, a lot of the works of Aristotle. Um, where Aristotle, you know, his understanding of ethics, his understanding of, um, of truth and philosophy, you know, Aristotle delves in all this stuff Mm -hmm. and, and Aristotle addresses a lot of the stuff with all of the pagan gods too. And, um, St. Augustine tries to, tries to take much of that work and he tries to elevate it and he tries to interpret it in light of Christianity. And he tries to say, you know, where the pagans went wrong and where the, you know, what the pagans had, had, had true and correct. And, and, uh, he addresses uh, a lot of the, uh, the pagan gods in his work, especially the work, the city of God, you know, he's mm. talking a lot about, um, paganism and what differentiates Christian Christianity, uh, from paganism. And um, one of the things that he kind of indicates that a lot of things in paganism, when it comes to human choices, you know, paganism had a lot of things determined by the gods. 
the gods yes. were perpetually interfering with the lives of, of human beings. You know, if you look at, um, I mean, God, my gosh, what story of the Greek gods, of the ancient pagan gods, doesn't, where they're not interfering with the oh, lives right. of human beings? I mean, it's like, it's harder to find a story where they're not, right? Oh, it's kind of because they're working backward, right? Yes. So they're trying to ration, they're, you know, everything that's happening in their environment, they're attributing back to some deity. And the, and, the, and the deities are always, you know, they're always manipulating human beings. They're lying, uh, lying uh, to, to each other, to each they're other, They're manipulating each other. Uh, they're sleeping with humans, right? They're right. kind of, and they're, they're even like using human beings. And this is kind of where a lot of that determination, determinism comes from, right? Cause even the gods are using human beings to fight against one another, you know, like, um, it's almost it's almost like the humans are just are nothing more than puppets or pawns mm. to the agendas of of the Greek gods, and so what a, what Augustine does is he spends a lot of time in his work to try to defend free will is to separate the Christian God from the pagan gods. So much much of his focus is to show how uh, the God how his Direct contact with human beings is so different from paganism. And one of the things that he points out is, uh, for example, Augustine focuses heavily on the foolishness of the cross. Um, how the way that God went about redemption and redeeming human beings mm. doesn't make any logical sense without free will. And he's uh, what what kind of his argument is in that regard is God could have redeemed human beings any way that he wanted to. Like, I mean, he could have just snapped his fingers if he wanted to. I mean, if we say that God is all good and he can he can just he could have just forgiven us. Why did he choose the methodology that he did? Why did he have to suffer and die on a cross? Why did he go through all of these steps to win us back? when he could have just erased it. So I would say that deals with God's justice. So God is eternal. God is also um, eternally just. I mean, he, so here, this gets into a, yet another argument. There's so many little, Oh yeah. There's little, so many little rabbit, rabbit holes. So, that you can get so down here. you've got to reconcile God's mercy with his justice. Yes. Because Mercy and justice are very hard to reconcile with one another. Oh yeah, because yeah. mercy is um, or can be a, um, a an injustice in some ways because you're you're not paying if you're giving giving somebody mercy they're not paying their their they're not paying their debt I guess right. you know they're not they're whether it be their debt to society or their monetary debt or you know whatever you're extending mercy. Um, maybe a professor giving mercy to a student that didn't turn something in on time. I, maybe, I don't know. maybe that might be, that you might be anything about that. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I, I think that's, I think that that's where there, there had to be, um, substitutionary atonement because of God's justice. Um, and, and, uh, you know, where in, in what we would say, um, at least in the, in reformed Protestantism is that, um, Christ's uh, righteousness was imputed um, to the believer, and then that uh, our sins were imputed, double imputation, our sins imputed to him. Um, and so that's, that's, I guess, the way we would explain it. Right. And, and so 
um, in fact, Augustine would say that Christ did make atonement for our sins. But there's still, what Augustine talks about as far as Scripture goes is he says, look at the actions of Christ. There is perpetually throughout Scripture, if you're looking at it from this perspective, a necessity of the people to accept that atonement, right? Um, like all, all, of the, all of the times, if you look at the, the different ways that Jesus uh, speaks to people and directly, even, even during like the miracles, like for example, if you look at um, the woman who is going to be stoned to death, mm-hmm. where are they that condemn you? And, you know, and, and, and then he says, well, then neither do I, right? Neither do I condemn you. And um, there's, and then you, you look at the parable of the, not the parable, the, the actual story of the, the 10 lepers that he heals, right? And only nine go off and one returns, you know? Uh, and the way that he, uh, the way that he addresses the one, um, if you, if you look at these ideas, there is a perpetual calling back to him, right? And so what, uh, what Augustine is trying to argue is that uh, Jesus is showing, showing us the ulti- ultimately what love is. But really what he's trying to indicate is that for love to, be ne- for love to truly occur, it has to occur freely. And, and if we say that, for example, that, that Christ loved us to, to die on a cross for us, um, there has to be, uh, our, to, for us to have, uh, to love him in return, we couldn't really do it and we couldn't appreciate the atonement that he took on for us unless we were free to do so. Otherwise, we would just be loved and that would be it. We wouldn't love in return. So this circles back around to our initial question. Our initial question, which yeah. was to to uh, w- would you could we not just be loved? So could do you do you have to? Does that? I guess what? Uh, well, I guess it kind of goes back to our initial question of uh, you know. So to to experience God's love, do you have to be? Uh, does that necessitate you having a free will? Because that, that was the that was the that was the the what that was your argument, correct? Yeah, actually, um, the, I think what it would it would necessitate. Well, again, the initial argument was, do you have to have its opposite? You know, right? That was the initial okay. argument. Well, you don't necessarily. In this case, we're not necessarily talking about the opposite. You don't have to hate. Just because you don't love doesn't mean that necessarily that it's done out of hate too. There's so there's such things as like ambivalence and other things that could be considered a third option or what have you. But in in the particular case that we're talking about, uh, what uh, what uh, Augustine is saying is that um, Christian love, the love of God, is different from the love of the Greek gods in the sense that that the love is a reciprocal love. It's a, it's a free love. And which differentiates Christ from the other gods. One is done from the other gods. If you look at the Greeks, one honors the Greek gods out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of fear. One doesn't really out of a sense of work, out of, and not out of a sense of actual love. And um, there's no 
the way that the the Greeks are, there's no there's no necessarily free will movement between them. If you don't, you know, if you dishonor the Greek gods, they're going to kill you. <laughs> like that's it; it's over with, right? And uh, what uh, Augustine is saying is like that's what differentiates Christianity or, or God or Christ, separate from all of those things, is that there's a there's a uh, the the point of creation itself was love. Like the whole point of God creating the world and creating us in general was for the sake of love. But love itself requires, it is by nature of what love is. It's, it's a matter of reciprocity between free wills. That, uh, well, I, I see, Fantastic podcast. I see, I see, I see how this is going. <laughs> so, so what we would say, I guess from a reform perspective, yeah. um, so, of course, we see we, we would ascribe all of the omnis to God, right. uh, which would be um, his, his, he's omnipresent. He's omni, uh, he's, he's omnipotent. In other, and he can, in other words, he can he can do anything. He can be and he's omnipresent. He can be anywhere. Um, and so in, in that respect, because we have that view of God, when God created the world, I think he had to he had to create it knowing the end result, mm-hmm. knowing if he's omniscient, yeah, and, and knowing all of those things that are going to happen in between, knowing um, you know who who is going to be elect and who's not elect, yeah, right. um, and so and, and not that he's necessarily like looking down the tunnel of time. I'm not necessarily making that argument, but that so if we let me let me go back to Romans so. Apostle Paul in Romans, um, when he's talking about uh, the elect being predestined, uh, and so and that can be a that can be a hot topic word, but um, in in essence, he's talking about um, uh, really the um, so he's I'm, I'm trying to wrap all this up right in my head. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, so uh, you know he's talking about the elect being predestined and, and I really think that go, like going back to our, our argument that if if God is all those things um, I, I honestly believe that that he has to know at, when we were created whether or not we're we're elect or, or, or what we would call reprobate um, elect or not elect um, and so the the I had a I had a point and I this is like it's okay gone. it comes with uh, it comes age, with age you know senility stuff. it sets in after a while it's perfectly fine and legitimate we were talking about your favorite cookie recipe so if you want to continue <laughs> I was just making sure see see if we would pick that up see if you were at sorry sorry go ahead go back to this predestination topic so so what Luther was saying about cookies was yeah. <laughs> no. But it, so you know, like so, it, it uh, you know when when Jesus is, is you know praying his high priestly prayer, he says, you know, uh, all of these that you have given me, um, we would take that as as his foreknowledge of, of who those people are, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, and and it, it's it's a debate that's likely to continue, um, but. And I really see in Luther, you know, of course, Lutherans are, are not Calvinists. Lutherans are uh, Arminian. 
But um, I, I see in Luther himself uh, a Calvinist bent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I think the people that that followed him probably uh, that, that came there after him probably took a, a turn um, after his death. Well, let me let me pose a question. Uh, two questions on this. One, going back to a little bit ago, um, is there ever is there such a thing as love if there's no free will? Is there really ever love in the first place? That's question number one. But question number two is just because let's say that we say that God is all knowing, so He's omniscient. Just because he's all-knowing, does that necessarily negate free will? Because I can know something. It doesn't mean that I'm the one that made the choice. And so if um, somebody else chose something, and I, I, even I, even though I already know what it is, that doesn't mean to that other person that that person didn't choose it of their own will. I might have known what was going to happen. Me being the omniscient, the omniscient being, but that person over there being the the temporal kind of kind of being, they that person might not have known, and so their will is still operating on their own on their own terms. You you could have that. I mean, it, I, I see where you're going. I mean, so. It, looking at um, at omniscience alone, yes, you could have a situation where, like, yes, I know that to know something doesn't necessarily mean to be the cause of something. But but in in God's case, God is the cause of all things. Right, right. Well, it, interesting that you should say that because so God calls all things. So God sets all things into motion, right? And so if He if he sets it into motion, but he also sets free will into motion. Um, does God himself, does God himself separate himself to a certain extent from even from that, which he has set in motion? It's a really good question. That is a really good question. So you're saying that does he separate? So you're, are you making like the deist? No, no, no. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, I guess, in the sense of free will, does he set free will in motion? And even though he might know what's going to come of it, does he do it anyway, even though he might? So um, he might know the ultimate end, but. um, Well, so so what we so we actually believe so I would say that that the reformed or or people who follow a, a Calvinist viewpoint actually do believe in free will. Yeah, uh, and so what? What it? What we would believe is the uh, the person who uh, the saved person has the free will to follow God, right? And the unsaved person has the free will to not follow God, right? And it's it's not that it's it's not that you know we're robots, right? Or something. What what it is 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 that prior to regeneration, what we would say you don't have the ability to choose the things of God. You don't have the ability because because we're inclined towards evil because of the fall. So you always will choose the evil until you're and, until you're not a reprobate or t- until you're not um, you know once you're saved you would choose the things of God. Right. And right. So, that's, so so you do have you have free will, but your will is inclined. Toward it's not so much that it's bound. It's it, your will is inclined towards one thing or another, and 
those, like I said, those who are, are who are not saved or would their will is inclined toward evil or, or to the things like we defined sin earlier. I think uh, the the things that uh, I can't. Did we do that in this podcast? Did we define? We kind of did. Maybe we did. Yeah, yeah okay. the the so deliberate choice, deliberate choice to, to choose something that's, that's opposite of what you know to to choose something away from God. Um, so those who are um, at least in in Calvin in Calvin's view, those who are um, not saved, those who are the reprobate, would choose, or, or even before those who are elect who are, have not come into salvation yet, would not choose the things of God. And then that once the, the saved individual would would choose the things of God, but they're still choosing of their free will. Hmm. It's interesting. Yes. 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 <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> you know, that's actually this... that's actually what the Pope said when he read the ninety five thesis. <laughs> I have no words. I have no words for this nonsense. <laughs> Um, I got a side note, real quick question to ask you. Before you came in here, where did you get the doobie uh, that you were? Because uh, <laughs> I need a little something like I'm. St- <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 very interesting, and and um, the free will argument is 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 a very hard argument, um, and and. You know, that's ultimately even uh, Augustine uh, comes down to the the like when we talked about um, how is it that Satan, you know, Lucifer could have chosen himself and stuff. And what was the was there? What was the defect of the will? He really is not able to ultimately answer that question. Yeah. Uh, only only other than the than the idea that. um with without it, without saying that you have free will, without at least acknowledging free will, then the the cross itself, the the whole idea of Christ dying on the cross just doesn't. Um, the foolishness of the cross is just that straight foolishness. Uh, why why would God die for something which had no ability to choose? Uh, and to, rec- to recognize and choose what that death was really all about, right? And so that's like ultimately where he comes. He's like, it just, um, he's like, we may not be able to ever fully answer the question of where, where, if or where there is a defect of the will that allows the will to choose something other than God, uh, that allows human beings to choose something other than God. But um, the, the fact of the matter is, he says, it just, the, the acts of God on this earth, the way that his interaction takes place with human beings, uh, why come to earth? Why make interactions with human beings? Why preach um, the, the ideas of Christian love if all of those things are already preset from the get-go? You know, uh, there has to be, uh, the way that he kind of explains it is there... There has to be something which God sees in us to be accepting of that in which in a way that we can either accept it or reject it for his act to take place. So, but don't you think that that adds in that model, though, we we are accomplishing 
a portion of our salvation. We participate in it, yes. So, so, just like, just like, uh, I mean, the example that uh, is often cited as far as that goes is Simon carrying the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is, um, we Simon, who's just a person, mm-hmm. he's just there. Jesus is carrying his cross up a hill, and. You know, if Jesus could have taken all of the suffering on by himself, but yet Simon is chosen to carry the cross with him. Why is it that Simon is chosen? And uh, is, the, is that just, just a random act or is there something significant to that? And the significance would be that as human beings, we're called to participate in that suffering. Like it's, it's participatory. For sure, we are called to participate in, in Christ's suffering. I, I, I would... Yeah. So I mean, there's there there isn't there's a sense that we're we're called to be a part of the salvific plan, and um, we um, we ourselves we don't save ourselves. No, 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 not by any stretch of the means. But but by choosing, you you would you would be saving yourself because you choose to save yourself or choose not to. No, so. Uh, we're, we're we're choosing to participate in it to partake in it partaking in something does not mean that you're that you are the cause of it though you are the taker you partake in it right so like uh, I can I can help make a uh, make a meal like right I can help like cook sure. dinner I'm not the I'm not the cause of the dinner itself though right like um the, the cause of the, I didn't create the food. <laughs> I didn't put, you know, I might've put the food in the oven, but I didn't create it. I didn't give it to me. Right. I might've even gone out to hunt it, but I still didn't, I'm still not the cause of it. And so I'm just a participant in it. Does that but make some sense? of the, but the meal wouldn't have made itself. Correct. So, so you're still a, a portion, a percentage of, the meal was made by you, not by the person who created it. Yeah, that's the choice that I have. And so, participate in. in salvation, what percentage? Uh, I wouldn't classify it in percentages. I know that you you gave it terms of percentages. <laughs> that was a very sly little trick that you gave there. We can go back to that. I don't think it, I, the... <laughs> I don't think it's a matter of percentages. I think it's a matter of reciprocity, and I don't I don't think Christ Himself quantifies it in terms of like a very a set number of acts or you do these five things, you know, right. I don't think it's quantified in, in that way. Uh, now, how ultimately it's quantified, how God judges is beyond our means, I would say. You know, God's ways are not our ways. For sure. Um, but we can choose to pick up our cross and follow him, participate in it, uh, or not to. That doesn't necessarily mean that even picking up the cross is going to save us, though. Because you can pick up the cross for wrong reasons. That's ultimately for God to make that judgment. But some people can go around this world and they can, you know, they can pick up the cross and they can pretend that they're Christians and doing all kinds of good works and even sacrificial works. But they can sure. do them all for the wrong reasons. Well, and going back to Augustine, I'll, I'll agree with you on this point. Um, going back to Augustine, he talks about the invisible church, the visible church. Yes. And so there are people who are in, of course, he, he had a very narrow uh, he, he made a more of a narrow allotment for this than we probably would in the modern day. Right. But um, uh, there are people who are in the visible church. 
who, who are not truly Christians, who are not, um, you know, who are just, just bodies in, in the sanctuary. And, and there are people obviously in the visible church who are, um, who are saved. There's people in the invisible church, people who don't attend um, a church or mass regularly, who are um, indeed uh, saved, yeah. you know, and there's obviously people who, you know, so, so there's, there's these sort of so almost a Venn diagram, uh, if you want to picture it that way, of people who you know, just because, like you're saying, just because you 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 know do all these things and you participate in all these rites, does oh, yeah. not you know it's not salvific. And, mm, it doesn't and, guarantee salvation at all. Yeah. You know? And and there's people who who don't participate in you know and I don't abdicate for that obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think there are some Christians today that would actually openly advocate not going to corporate worship and. I don't think that's, I think that's actually a sin. Right. And, you know, and I, I mean, I, I think at some point, at, at some level, if, if you're, you know, I mean, if you, if you miss for a, for a particular reason or, if, you know, but if you, if you cut yourself completely off of corporate worship yeah. uh, and, and completely out, out of the church, I think that's, that's probably a sinful act. You know, there's a lot of people don't really think about it like this. You know, we Catholics, you know, we get accused, for example, of saying, you can only go to heaven through good works that you you earn your salvation. And, you know, the Catholic Church actually strictly states in our catechism, you're only saved by grace. We believe that. Only the grace Whoa. of God saves you. So you, would you believe in sola, uh, some of those, some of those solas? Maybe, uh, you mean, some I, of those little solas? Grace pictures? alone, <laughs> faith alone. Uh, 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 <laughs> yes, it is grace and it is faith that saves us. Oh. Okay, those are those are strict tenets of the Catholic Church. I did not. I, I assume they are, some sort of works. They are in there, but what we say about works is that you're, you know, we say that your faith is dead without works, just like the Book of James. James faith without James. works is dead. Yes. Works don't save you, though. No, I think even but, the, but the Catholic a, Church believes that. You know, I see them as a barometer. Yeah, you know, of, I, you know I can see that. You know, I can see that. Yeah, you like. You, you, someone claims to be uh, a follower of Christ and yet they don't produce any fruit. Well, you know, you've got to wonder. You know, you know, it's it's a it's a sign that you're a Christian if you're if you're producing fruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, oh, yeah. kindness, goodness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, so a lot of people don't realize the Catholic Church says it's the grace of God that saves you. Uh, and even like our sacraments, we have seven sacraments in the church, right? Mm -hmm. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward sign of the grace of God. So that's what a sacrament is. And so when you receive the sacraments, you're receiving the graces of God. Yeah. It's those things that are saving you. Uh, and so we participate in things. It doesn't, but our participation in something in our works, which you're going to do. If you're a, if you're a true Christian, you're going to do those things. Uh, if you're a true believer, if you truly have faith, then you're going to make those works, and you're going to you're going to live that life. Um, but that's not ultimately what saves you. What saves you is God. Yes. And so the final, and so the the church has always said, and this is one of those things again that a lot of people don't know. The final judgment in all things is God's judgment. He, he's the final judge of all things, right? And so even things like this is going to open up some really fun. We got we got and we're like almost fifty minutes here. We have to add oh, wow. this. Yeah, we're doing really good. We're doing good. But like the final, like even 
the finality of things that, that the Catholic Church considers mortal sins, mm-hmm. right? Suicide is a great example of that. Right. Just because a person commits suicide, even though we say it's a grave mortal sin, we always leave room for the idea that the final judgment is still God's in that case. God can still save that person. To say otherwise would be to be contrary to the omniscient nature of God, the omnipotent nature of God. And so God is the final judge of all things, not, you know, uh, and so it is possible that that a person's life could end on a terrible note and the person could still be saved. You know, like that's the final judgment. And, yeah. and, and truth be told, and truth be told, if we're really good Christians, for example, don't we don't we want everyone to be in heaven? I mean, even the even the, the the most terrible of persons, if if we say, for example, that God Christ died for all, right? It's a matter of whether or not we're receptive to Him. But if He if He really died for all, because and He believes that every single person is valued, they're all His children. Don't we want every person, even those who committed the most horrible atrocities, to be saved? For sure, we want. I mean, yes, we would want everyone to be saved. I that it brings up another good question: is did did Christ die for all, or did he die for those who would eventually be saved? Yeah, good question. Yeah. We probably don't have enough I time. I see what you're doing time. here. You're trying to drag this out for another hour. I can see. I know I what's do. going on. I, I see it. Uh-huh. Uh. Now let me tell you what I think. No, it's just, yeah, right. <laughs> we better, we better, we better, we better wrap this one up. And, yeah, oh, my goodness. This is, that's, uh, what, we, what are we, let's see, what are we going to affirm? Let's do our. I'll affirm um, the community college, uh, and so that was out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about all these deep philosophical concepts, and then you're like the community college. <laughs> logical, logical. Okay, go ahead. Continue. It is a logical choice, <laughs> uh, not just because we work at one, uh, but you know, it's. I had a student today is in my office. And uh, made no- and, and, and a couple of students have done this before, but no- made note of the fact that I don't have an associate's degree hanging on my wall. Mm. And they said, oh, associate's degree isn't something that you um, would put on a wall, I guess, you know. And so now I'm in this mode where I'm like, I've got to go back and like Get us an go graduate because like, I've got the credit. right? <laughs> I just never did it uh, because I, I moved on before I, I finished at the community college, I transferred out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I've got to, I, I thought, well, you know, I should just send my transcript back and just get the, get the diploma. Cause there are quite a few students who have made note of the fact that I have my degrees on the wall, but there's not an associate's degree there. And they either assume, really? I didn't, they either assume that I didn't go or they assume that, that it's not an important thing to have. Interesting. And so I thought, you know, I'm sitting here trying to advise students and trying to encourage them to graduate. It's the same thing in sales. Yeah. You know, what's the first thing, if you're trying to sell something, the first thing they're going to ask you is, do you have one? Yeah. If you're trying to sell Mercedes and you're driving, uh, you, you know, you're driving around a DeLorean and you're trying to sell the Mercedes and they're going to ask you, why are you driving a DeLorean if, I, I if Mercedes ask, is that good? I would, Even if you weren't, I would still say, why are you driving a DeLorean? Because it's a clearly superior car. Everyone knows this. If you hit 88 miles an hour, you're going back in time, baby. This isn't easy. That's why you drive a DeLorean. Or, or are you going to the future? That's not, I never understood the title of those movies, Back to the Future. Because they always went to the past. That's another show. We're going to stop <laughs> you right there. That is another show. Oh, we're going to end that right there. <laughs> All right, so what are you affirming? 
Um, Other than I'm going to affirm our veterans. Yesterday was Veterans Day. Was. Two days ago was Veterans Day. And so uh, I think our, our veterans are, um, you know, uh, they're amazing men and women. They have done so, so good for our nation. And uh, I, th- I think, you know, I love having veterans in the classroom. I love uh, being around them. They carry a new perspective. There's always a found, uh, I, I'll, you know, I get to hear their stories and talk to them. And there's always a part where I said, I should have served at some point in time. And never did. So I have a fond appreciation for them. So that's I'm gonna affirm our veterans. That's a good that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you denying? Oh um I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna let's see, what am I gonna deny? I'm going to deny um what am I gonna deny? This is a really good I'm gonna deny the Greek gods. I mean it seems very fitting after our conversation today. I just I they're terrible people. They're terrible gods. Let me put it that way. They're just terrible. I'm going to deny the Greek gods. The Greek gods. Oh yeah. Why not the Romans? Why, why specifically the Greeks? Uh that's that's well, a good question. Copy, right? Yeah. It's copy well, well you, the Catholics took all the Roman gods and Christianized them, so it's okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Turn them into snakes. Yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, it works. It works. You know. So I mean, that's. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Seem logical. Seem logical. <laughs> oh, what's your denial? I will deny. Um, oh man, I, I I don't know how to follow that denial up. I mean, it's a hard one. It, it is a hard one. It's it's. I set the bar pretty high. You you or maybe low <laughs> for denials, right? Wouldn't it? Like, yeah, it'd be you know low. Can you go lower? Can you go lower. Then? Can you, you deny go- something even worse? So low, you have to reach up to touch the bottom. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So I'll, you know, I'm going to deny uh, today um, uh, without getting overly political. For 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 non-political reasons, I'm going to deny the Democratic Party. For non-political reasons. Well, for non. So so here's why. Hear hear me out. So the the uh, so they have started uh, inviting. Uh, just about as bad as, as the Republican Party was inviting in uh, 2016 after Trump's election. Gotcha. And so, so now there, there's been a lot of attacks um, from the Democratic Party to Joe Biden. They're attacking Joe Biden, who they just elected. And, I have seen that actually, and, and I, I'm just amazed at at. Yeah, it's just like the Republicans went after Trump. Oh yeah, I mean, same thing happened yeah. in 2016. The Republicans immediately started going after the newly elected president that they just elected. And it's, it's just, it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it is something. You think maybe we need to start picking better candidates at any point in time? Well, well, you know, I tried to tell people, but, you know, hey, crazy libertarians, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Joe Jorgensen. Well, we could have had a better candidate. <laughs> We, we should have also picked a better candidate. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out. This has gone on <laughs> long enough. Long enough. We will see you all next week. <laughs>